Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I remember in that first week of lockdown when God gave me that scripture, I remember reading it thinking, God, I feel more distant to hope, joy and peace right now than I have ever done before. You know, I remember being in my office when I had to switch off the lights, empty the desks, tell the staff to go home and then close the physical doors behind me. I truly felt like I was being robbed, that I was being cheated and that something was being ripped away that was, that was mine. It should have been mine, but yeah, it was being ripped away. My financial income to my family had been taken away from me. And I remember feeling cheated and robbed because I couldn't freely go to the shops. I couldn't freely go and play football or go to the gym. Cheated and robbed. And the worst one for me was the, the freedom to go and see family and friends. And you know, as I look at my, my beautiful daughter and she looks up at me with those wee puppy eyes and she just says, Daddy, Mummy, I, I want to go and see Nanny and Papa. I want to go and see Mama and Grandad. But yeah, you have to look at her and you have to say no. And I feel like I'm robbing her of these special memories with her grandparents. But yet, the only way to distract her is to throw some chocolate buttons or a packet of crisps and hope that she shuffles away and quickly forgets about it. But robbed and cheated. Certainly not hope, certainly not joy, and certainly not peace. And you know, I remember we would, we would go for our, our allocated walk allowance and we would, we would go out and we'd take Holly, we'd head out as a family and you know, we're, we're very blessed where we stay in Dunfermline that we have some of the most historic buildings around us from the Abbey to the Palace to, to the Glen and you know, we should, feel, we should feel joyful about these but yet when I was walking I just had this negative feeling and you know, what once was the hustle bustle of Dunfermline Town Centre is bizarre as it sounds, but yet the car parks were empty, the high streets empty, restaurants, pubs closed, some even have their windows boarded up with signs saying no cash or alcohol kept in here. And you know, that feeling just really just ripped right through me, right to the core. And one day when we were going for a walk, I remember reading a, a quote on the ground and it's from Andrew Carnegie. There is no bright child of Dunfermline that can escape the influence of the Abbey, the Palace and the Glen. And you know, I just remember reading that and just kind of brushing past it thinking, yeah, that's true, we, we live in a historic place, some beautiful places around us. And two or three days went past and I would read that every time I would go for my walk and I still had this negative feeling about everything. And then I remember on the, the first Sunday of our virtual church, our virtual Zoom church, and we were coming to the time of worship and we started singing that song, You Are My King. And you know, I remember singing that song and just in the middle of it, there's a, a powerful declaration that simply says, You are my King. You are my King. Jesus, you are my King. And I remember as I was singing that, just all of a sudden, like a, 
a heaviness was removed, a burden was removed from me and I almost felt that little sense of hope, that little sense of joy, that sense of peace coming back into my life and as I was worshipping I just remember looking out the window and right opposite our house is Dunfermline Abbey and on the tower of the abbey is the words King Robert the Bruce in almost two metre high concrete carved out concrete letters and I just remember worshipping Jesus you are my king and as I opened my eyes they are towering over my house towering over my family is the word king and just all of a sudden this whole restoration started to come back I just had this powerful sense that my king is in control that my king has a handle on this situation and then all of a sudden, when we'd start to go for our walks, all I could see was this king triumphant and victorious over everything. As I walked past the empty car parks, the word king towered over the situation. As I walked to my closed office to check on it, the word king towered over the situation. As I walked past the abbey, the word king towered over me. And as I walked past that text from Andrew Carnegie again, I felt God say to me that there is no child of the king who will not have hope, peace and joy. And as I looked up once again to give him a praise of hallelujah, there it was, the word king towering over me. I then approached the old ruins of the palace, which is a stunning historic building and and as I looked into the old ruins, I noticed that there was a plaque that talked about the old restaurant where the kings would have their feast. And as I'm looking down at this old ruin, I'm almost reminded of a, a lion's den. And as I started to think about the word king and the lion being the king of the jungle and the, the king's feasting, I was just quickly reminded of the, the powerful scripture that we read in Daniel in the lion's den. And I want to pick it up this morning from chapter 6, verse 10, where it says, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. With its window open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judea, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he cried to and he tried Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your Majesty, 
You know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. And you know, what I love about the, the book of Daniel is that we can learn so much about Daniel's character and also the character of God. And you know, we see as we pick up in Chapter 6, verse 10 to 12, that there's been a new law that has been passed. King Darius has been convinced by his high officials, his high governors, to put in place a new law. And we see in verse 10, that as it starts off, it says, But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed. And you know, immediately, I, I believe that we can relate to that, that there has been a new law that has been passed. And in Daniel's case, it was for 30 days. In our case, we measure it by almost three-week increments that were on three weeks of lockdown and another three weeks of lockdown. And that law is for everyone. That law has been set from the high official, from the governors, and that law is for everyone. It's not just for the weak or the poor. It's for the, it's for the people in power, the people of influence. It's for the rich. It's for the poor. It's for the healthy. It's for the sick. Everyone is to obey by these rules. And we've already seen some scandals in the news of MPs and people of powerful influence breaking these laws, but yet getting caught for it. But yet what I love about this is that when Daniel finds out that this law has been passed, his reaction to it is so different from how I reacted. And I want to ask you, what was your reaction? How did you react and how are you reacting to What's going on around us? Because I've already held my hands up and said that I felt a lack of hope, no joy, no peace. I was frustrated, I felt cheated, I felt robbed. But yet here we have Daniel in verse 10 that says, But when Daniel learned the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down in his usual upstairs room with his window open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Wow, what a character of God. When he heard that, never mind self-isolation where we can sit in the comfort of our own home, he'd been told that his law was that he couldn't worship 
the true king. He couldn't worship the God that he served. But yet, he goes home into self-isolation and closes the door. And what does he do? Does he complain? Does he feel a lack of hope? No. He does what he always does. He gives thanks, praise, and worship to God. And I think as Christians, we can learn so much from that because in times of tribulation, we need to put our focus and trust on God. And we see that. We see that in James, where it says in James chapter 1, verse 12, that blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. What an incredible word, the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. We see in John 16, 33, where it says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And it's so important to to realise that, that this isn't just a you and me thing. This is a worldwide event we're living in. History has been made as we speak. And for me, as I look at the life of Daniel and I see the fact that, you know, he had a true understanding that, as it said there in John, that God has overcome the world. And I believe that Daniel had an understanding of that, that no matter what tribulations are thrown at him, no no matter what's thrown at Daniel, he understood that as it says in Romans 15, 13, that God is the source of hope. And Daniel understood the only way to have hope in his situation was to truly focus on God, to go in that quiet space and to give all his worship, his full heart, his full life to God in order to receive that hope. And you know, as we continue to read on Daniel, I just then started to think about Jesus Jesus as the king. And as we read on, there's just so many resemblances to the the book of Daniel and the lines then to Jesus, the resurrected king. And we see that in Daniel 11 to 13, where the high officials find Daniel praying and quickly run to King Darius to snoop him in, to dob him in, to say that he has been found praying someone else. And as we look at the Gospels, we see in Matthew 26, verse 3, the elders, the chief priests, they schemed to arrest Jesus and secretly have him killed. In Daniel 14, we see the king finally saying and agreeing to have Daniel arrested and thrown into the lion's den. In Matthew 26, verse 50, we see that the men stepped forward, seized Jesus and arrested him. And we see in Daniel, verse 16, where even King Darius recognized the the character of God and the faithfulness of him when he said, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. And in Matthew 27, verse 3, we see that they acknowledge that he trusted in God and let that God rescue him now if he wants to. We then see in Daniel 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of the nobles, so no one could rescue Daniel. And we see in Matthew 27, verse 60 to 66, that a stone was placed before the tomb, and that they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting guards. 
But then the exciting bit is we see in Daniel, verse 21, when Daniel answered that he'd been rescued and he declares, long live the king. And we see in Matthew 28, the exciting news in verse 6, where it says, he is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. And I just I started to think about the, the character of God and the, the walk, his journey with God that he had, the godly character that Daniel was. And as I started to think about Jesus and the, the, the kind of the death, burial and resurrection that we celebrate today, the, the crucifixion of Jesus, the one and only son that God sent to save us. It made me realize that there are some people out there that don't have hope, don't have joy, don't have peace not just because of COVID-19, but simply because they don't have Jesus in their life. And it made me realize and reflect that when, when I read Romans 15, 13, it, it says that God is the source of hope. But if you don't know God in your life, you don't know what hope, joy, and peace is. And recently I was reminded of a, a funny story in my past because um, sadly, my grandma had a bad fall and um, I had no option but to, to break the rules of isolation and to go around and see her and to help her get up. And as I was lifting her up, she was complaining of pain in her, her hips and her wrists. So I, I had no option but to lift her by the bum. And I just remember saying to her after I lifted her up how embarrassed I was that I had to touch my grandma's bum. <laughs> but it brought a smile to her face. And then we shared a cup of tea and we just started sharing some amazing memories of life together. And it was one of those special moments that, as I said, I felt robbed of, but yet having this opportunity to go and see her was just incredible. And she was reminding me of a story when she came to babysit my brother and I, or childmind my brother and I during um, primary school. I would be about eight, my brother was probably 10 and it was the summer holidays. and. We grew up in Perth and we stayed, stayed in what you would call phase one of the, the kind of the houses and phase two was being built behind our house and um, I remember on the summer's day my brother and I we managed to escape out the cul-de-sac and sneak around the corner and to our surprise the gates of the building site were left open and we managed to sneak in and I just remember this, this sense of almost excitement and joy from my brother and I because it was almost like we had entered a, an amusement park. We were just so excited that we were in this playground of, of foundations that we could jump in, of empty houses that we could run through and scaffolding that we could climb. And as I said, it was a hot summer's day and we were just, we hit the cherry on top when we found a hose and my brother picked it up and he started spraying the hose and I just remember I was absolutely soaked. I was completely drenched, head to toe and then all of a sudden the atmosphere changed. Something changed and I remember turning to my brother and saying, I've just got a pain in my eyes. Something is stinging my eyes. And then it went to my mouth and there was just this bitter taste in my mouth. And then before you knew it, there was a, an odor surrounding me. And that's when my brother and I looked down and we followed the trail of the, the hose and it went past the water mains, but yet connected to a tanker of diesel that was there to supply the building machinery. And I just remember 
the fear that came into my life. And I remember my brother went back and got my grandma and she came and she, she led me back to the house because I could hardly see and she, she had no option but to completely strip me naked and get me in a bath and get me, dunk me in the water, hot soapy water to cleanse me from that diesel. And as I was saying to my grandma that I was embarrassed because I touched her bum, we were laughing at the fact that as an eight-year-old boy, my grandma had to take my clothes off and we just had a great laugh together. But the reason I wanted to share that story with you isn't just to try and bring back some hope that I'd seen in my life, but because as I was even thinking about that story, there's a representation of Jesus in there. You see, in my life, before I felt I was surrounded by earthly things that were making me happy, but yet before we know it, sometimes they can bring a sting to the eye. The Bible says that we are to live by faith and not by sight. And then sometimes our, our words can be hurtful and there's a bitterness left in our mouth and our tongue. And even addictions that we get involved with or things that we think are earthly fulfillment all of a sudden have this bad odour, this aroma that surrounds it that's just not right. And I want to say to you this morning or that maybe you've been a Christian for many years but you've lost that hope, joy and peace. Or maybe you're watching this today and you've, you've never actually committed or given your life to Jesus. I just want to say that just as my grandma led me and dunked me and cleansed me, that Jesus died for you. That the one and only son, God's one and only son was sent to save you. And that he is risen, that he is the true king, and that he can cleanse you from all things. And you know, if you truly are going to understand what hope, joy, and peace is, you have to have a relationship with God. And you know, what excites me as we read the end of Daniel, where it says that Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, majesty, in reference to majesty as in King Darius. But then it goes on to say, the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. And you know, I just want to say to you this morning that if you can find God as the source of hope, joy and peace, then I can guarantee you that we can get through this without a scratch on us. Because you see, when, when I had to switch the lights off, clean the desks and close the physical doors of my office, as I said, I felt cheated that I couldn't get the finances for my family. And I remember on the Friday, the first week of lockdown, when I was at my lowest, I got a phone call from a job that we had won. A university in Scotland was, had commissioned us to build a new website for one of their subdivisions. But yet on that Friday, we got a phone call to say that there's been a paperwork error. Nothing to do with COVID-19, a paperwork error that actually meant the job was meant to go to tender and therefore we couldn't continue the work. And I just remember turning to Hannah and saying, we're in trouble. 
But yet over the weekend was when I had that revelation and that breakthrough, the heaviness removed as I saw the word king towering over my family, over this situation. On the Monday morning, I got a phone call from that same client saying that over the weekend, he had a call with the finance director of this university. And by the Monday evening, not only had I been given the green light to finish the project, they'd actually paid the full payment upfront rather than over monthly installments. And when I, believe, when I read that God lift Daniel out with not a scratch found on him, I truly believe that no matter what lines you're facing, you know, you'll be in different, you'll be facing different lines in different dens. Some of us are financial. Some of us are maybe being furloughed or having to take pay cuts or even self-employed and they have no income. For some of us, it's mental health, it's mental battles. We're feeling depressed, we're feeling anxious about the situation. And for others, it's just loneliness. As we self-isolate, they truly feel isolated from everything. But I want to say that just as God has proved testimony in my life when I found him as the source of hope, joy, and peace, I believe he will do the same for you. If you can put your trust in Jesus, your trust in God. For you see, it says there in verse 23 of Daniel, the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den, not a scratch was found on him. Why? For he had trusted in God. Why did I not have hope, joy, and peace, even though I was a Christian? Because you see, it says in Romans 15, yes, God is the source, but we only receive it because we trust in God. Daniel was lifted from the lines then. Why? Because he trusted in God. And I want to say to you this morning, that we serve an almighty king. We serve a living king. We serve the king who is the source of our hope, joy, and peace. But if you want to truly receive that, you must understand who God is. You must give your life to God, give your life to Jesus. But yet, you must trust in him also. Because you see, today, we can celebrate that you are my